High Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. For over 75 years, King David Schools have offered an exceptional education in an environment where children feel safe and proud to be Jewish. This sense of belonging nurtures children to become emotionally strong, self-assured adults who are able to thrive in the real world. In these challenging times, feeling safe and free to learn, daven and connect to Israel is a privilege. It's a gift that generations of proud Davidians continue to value throughout their life. We are here for our community now more than ever. Connect with us at kingdavid.org.za. 101.9 Chai FM Chai by G. We are back as we do every Monday when we discuss education, we discuss uh, any health issue, we discuss anything that will make us better people, how to influence ourselves, our families, our communities, and everything in between. Really bring us to live in the world we want to live in and just improving everything that we can. And we would think that with everything happening in the world, we are living in the world we live in because, you know, things are easy and comfortable per se, maybe or maybe not. We'll have to hear and see today in the discussion. And today we're going to go back to basics. And when I say basics is for many years, I don't think there was ever an issue in history when it comes to eating or eating disorders. I sometimes try to think what my grandparents in the uh, camps would have thought about eating disorders and about any food that's beyond survival. But that's not the case today. And today we are facing real challenges. And I don't even know. I'm actually going into this uh, podcast today not even really knowing what is the challenge we're facing? How large is the problem? Is it really um, eating disorders? Is it really when it comes to people that are overweight or maybe the opposite, underweight, maybe in between? I don't know. Uh, but it's fine because I have in studio with me the top professionals in that area. Um, as I have on the one side, I have Dr. Felicity Marcus, who is the head of the eating disorders um, unit, unit at Tara Hospital, and Professor Celine Bernstein, who is a health mentor and nutritionist um, in private practice as well, and obviously have uh, the most knowledge that we can just uh, want to hope for. So, as you know, always, this is an open discussion, so anything you would like to share, if you would like to ask, if you would like to question, do you think eating disorders is a thing today? Is it an issue? Is it not an issue? Is it getting worse? Is it getting better? What's happening? Just share your opinions. 34519 is the SMS line, or you could send a telegram at 061-895-1019. Let's first meet our guest and then start our discussion. Our discussion. Good afternoon, Dr. Felicity Marcus. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Rabbi G, and thank you for having me on your, your program. It's, it's really quite an honor. Um, so I've been working at the Tara Eating Disorder Unit since 2021. Um, so the unit actually it closed down uh, during COVID. And I think we, we, were getting quite a poor, we were getting quite a lot of concerns about that because there is still really a need for um, a long-term inpatient unit. And the unit restarted like I mentioned, in 2021. And I, I feel quite privileged that I've been able to work there. I've been able to learn and grow in um, my experience. And I really hope to, um, you know, that the listeners will be able to gain some knowledge from today's session. I have no doubt about that. I'm very clear to me that, uh, that we will gain knowledge, at least me, but I'm sure everyone else <laughs> as well. And that's important. Professor Celine Bernstein, 
Okay, thank, thank you, so you much Rabbi, for, with us for today. having me on the show today to discuss a topic that really affects millions of people around the world, eating disorders. And despite the word eating being in the name, these disorders are far more complex, touching on mental health issues that necessitate both medical, psychological and psychiatric intervention. And I'm sure today we'll delve into aspects from common disorders like anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, binge eating to food addiction and other related concerns. Okay, so get your popcorn and let's start uh, talking. Let's get there. So we do need to start with our first ad break, as we do in all uh, uh, these great shows, but it's part of our job here. So short break, and when we come back, we will be discussing the eating disorders, and etc. Short break, we'll be right back. The Chai Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. For over 75 years, King David Schools have offered an exceptional education in an environment where children feel safe and proud to be Jewish. This sense of belonging nurtures children to become emotionally strong, self-assured adults who are able to thrive in the real world. In these challenging times, feeling safe and free to learn, daven and connect to Israel is a privilege. It's a gift that generations of proud Davidians continue to value throughout their life. We are here for our community now more than ever. Connect with us at kingdavid.org.za. 101.9 FM, we are back and we've just started a discussion, a very important discussion that we need to have about eating disorders. What are they? How many are they? Is it common? Is it popular? What's happening with that? And for that, uh, Top professionals in studio today, Dr. Felicity Marcus, who is the head of the eating disorder unit at Tara Hospital, as well as Professor Celine Bernstein, who is running her private practice and a health nutritionist and professional in this area. So right before the break, we got to know you. And let's start discussing directly into this topic. Uh, maybe I'll start with you, Dr. Felicity. How common is it <laughs> um so look i mean it's not i think as common as it used to be it, but it is still common i don't know i can't give you exact percentages really well i have to stop you because i've yes. been this, doing this show for eight years and this is the first time i'm hearing a therapist <laughs> saying it's better than it used to be wow okay why is it better than it used to be <laughs> so look i think that um there's been a lot of um of, of a movement towards body acceptance, especially amongst, um, you know, your adolescents, your teenagers. Um, and you also do see that people are more aware of health. They're more aware of healthy eating. Um, it's not to say that, that um, people aren't being affected by eating disorders. But I do think there's a huge awareness, which maybe in the past um, there wasn't as much, you know, of... So I think... Um, Interesting thing mm. that I don't know if we're going to get to on the yeah. show, and maybe I'll ask you after the show, but um, I, I'm seeing a discussion in the world in many different places about movement of certain eating disorders into other forms yes. that are not eating disorders, which yes. we can get yes. to yeah. uh, shortly. Um, Professor Sunin, maybe give us a quick rundown of the different kinds of eating disorders well, uh, there's anorexia nervosa, which is quite a popular eating disorder. Then you have which is 
Give me one sentence. Oh, you want me to tell you? It's a life-threatening disorder characterized by an unhealthy low body weight, intense fear of gaining weight, and unrealistic proportions of one's weight and shape. Okay. And it often involves extreme efforts to control weight by severe calorie restriction, cutting out certain foods, also food groups, over-exercising, or even using laxatives. And all these are just mentioned to reduce weight, can eventually cause severe health problems. Okay, so before we go into the list, actually I, w- I do want to ask you about that because you went such uh, elaborated tremendously. Uh, when we talk about this uh, uh, anorexia, is there an age group that we're looking at that are more at risk to develop that? Is there something we need to be aware of? You know, I think that Felicity <laughs> would have more answer to that But the clients that I've seen are usually teenagers. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing. Um, And it can go on for longer because this morning I was speaking to a client and told her about the uh, topic I was discussing. And she said it started when I was 17 Mm -hmm. and it ended after my last baby at the age of 37. Yeah, so I think in terms of eating disorders, there there are two kind of peaks that we speak about. The first is that transition into puberty. So, um, okay. you know, as, as um, you're saying, you know, when uh, uh, sort of very, very commonly presents in teenagers. The other kind of risky time period is actually pregnancy. And if we think around what's happening at these times, very often it's a ch- hormonal changes, body changes. Um, patients are very vulnerable. They're very anxious. And especially if you are predisposed to develop an eating disorder, that's usually when we see it emerging. Um, it's very, very uncommon for it to develop very late at night, uh, late Eight. in life. Yes, and as exactly as you're saying with your patient, she probably has always had a bit of an underlying eating disorder, and then if you know it's late in life, something can cause them to um, become, you know, very emotional, or um, it can cause them to relapse into the ED. Um, but so are we seeing a connection between eating disorders and an imbalanced hormo- hormonal state or hormones changing or things like that, or not necessarily? Or even bullying at school, because, you know, they won't be accepted, and the fear, and they'll do everything. And also, they try and get back at parents. Mm. That I've found a great deal. I'm not eating. <laughs> I don't feel well. How do you handle it? Sa- when you're saying it, it sounds like revenge, but I'm yes. sensing it's more about control. That's right. They want to be in control yeah. because the parents are dictating to them, you know, do your homework, e- um, eat this. It will give you more strength. You'll be able to think better. Cognitive function will be better. Am I right? Yes, yes. So I think they um, there are many factors that can predispose you to an eating disorder. I mean, even starting with genetics. So, I mean, I see it very, very often. So before we go down mm. that route, I have to ask you a question yes. because it, it's, you know, uh, when I refer to different psychiatrists in the city and, and throughout the network and with their specialities, you're quite an authority when it comes to psychiatrists for adolescents. Mm. And then your interest is eating disorders. And I'm curious is if that's a coincidence that you're <laughs> such a professional in adolescence psychiatry as well as eating disorders, or 
is it no there's actually a very strong connection there so I think it's more probably the coincidence, but I do think there, there is the connection. Um, I do think that, like we say, they, they very commonly present in adolescence. Um, but unfortunately, adolescents, especially adolescents today, have a huge amount of struggles um, and difficulties. So I, I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. A bit of both. So, yeah. Okay, so we do need to move on to breaks so and to our next break. And when we come back, we'll go to the causes more. Any comments, any questions, anything that you would like to add, Sharon? This is to the listeners. I mean, it's not uh, um, always an opportunity you have. I'm sitting here with uh, top psychiatrist, Dr. Uh, Felicity Marcus, as well as Professor uh, Celine Bernstein. And any questions, anything you want to add, share, comments, you want to know about for your kids? What can you do or not do different? Because we love it as parents to just feel, oh, what could we have done different and what can we? So here's the time. So 34519 is the SMS line or 061-895-1019 is the telegram line. 061-895-1019 or just SMS 34519. The Chai Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. For over 75 years, King David Schools have offered an exceptional education in an environment where children feel safe and proud to be Jewish. This sense of belonging nurtures children to become emotionally strong, self-assured adults who are able to thrive in the real world. In these challenging times, feeling safe and free to learn, daven and connect to Israel is a privilege. It's a gift that generations of proud Davidians continue to value throughout their life. We are here for our community now more than ever. Connect with us at kingdavid.org.za. 101.9 Chafem Chachinuchorabaji. We are back and in the middle of a discussion already. We have dived quite a bit into it uh, regarding eating disorders and everything that comes with it. How aware it is, is it? How aware are we of the situation? How uh, you know how how common is it, and what can we do and to to address it, deal with it? Uh, in the meantime, on this show, we have one good news. As Dr. Felicity Marcus said, that it seems to be that things are slightly better from the past, so we are getting on some kind of track. But let's learn and see what we need to do. And yeah, any questions, any comments? Three four five one nine is the SMS line or Telegram oh six one eight nine five one zero one nine. So right before the break, I asked um, Dr. Felicity Marcus about what are the causings and the reasonings that stem from, that create these eating disorders that we started looking at, even though we haven't seen the whole list yet. So you were going, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. So I think the... Um there are multiple causes and there are multiple reasons that one can develop an eating disorder. Um, as I was saying, so genetics plays a big role. Um, very, very often when we have a patient admitted in our ward, um, there has been a mom, an aunt, um, a cousin, a relative who's also suffered from an eating disorder. Um, but there are a lot of other factors. So things like trauma can cause one to have an eating disorder and particularly people that maybe didn't have an eating disorder before if they go through something quite traumatic um, and that can really cause it to to emerge what do you mean something quite traumatic so uh, so we often see um, for example patients that have gone through 
physical or sexual abuse. Um, okay. They remember they they become quite ashamed of what's happened to them, and they become very ashamed of their bodies, and that shame and that guilt um, they they tend to actually take out on themselves, and they blame themselves, and a lot of them will start presenting with um, the, the eating disorder features um, as a way to cope with that underlying emotional kind of trauma that, they, that they've experienced. Okay. Um, if you're able to work through the trauma, they actually have quite a good prognosis and they, they, they do tend to recover. Um, but that's one of, the, one of the causes we do see. The other one we often see is um, a, a very high parental demands. So those families or those, those parents where there's just these high expectations to achieve and to do well. And then the opposite end of the coin um, where parents are very disengaged. So they don't pay the ch- attention to their kids and their kids use that eating disorder as a form of attention. Ga- attention. Yes, exactly. Secondary gain. Um, if I'm sick, if I'm not well, mom and dad will actually notice me. Notice me. Yeah. And care for me. And often I find that some of these parents are very affluent and they're always going out, they're going overseas. Don't worry, darling, we've put the ice cream in the freezer. You just have to ask the uh, au pair to Mm -hmm. get it for you. It's all there for you. We'll see you when we come back. And when they grow up, they remember that the parents were really involved with themselves and not showing such interest. Mm -hmm. It's very hard and uh, continual dieting. And also I find that parents will say, it's no good just eating dessert. You'll get fat. Mm. And, mm. you know, they put that word into their heads and they begin to fear it eventually. Yes, 100%. And, I mean, that's, that kind of brings me to my, my next big thing, which is the, the, the Western cultural influence and the social media influence that we see in today, where exactly like you're saying, these words are just loosely thrown around or we, we loosely talk about each other's body shapes and weights. And, you know, we, we're all different and we're all actually quite perfect in our own way. Um, but when you're a, a young adolescent who's very vulnerable and very easily influenced, these things have impact. And particularly when they see in these um, models, these models on, on the TV and, you know, they're these social media groups that I hear of that are just absolutely horrific. And people latch onto this. They feel connected. They feel part of something. And it really, really, um, and excuse my irony, but it feeds into their, their eating disorder. And that's, also that's mothers insane. who even approach their teenage children. Mm. Do I look fat today? I mean, what's the mother saying that to her daughter? It creates a very bad reflection. I I have to ask, because something that's coming quite apparent as as I'm speaking to you, um, it seems to be that, um, Professor uh, um, Celine, you've been in practice few more years than um, mm-hmm. Dr. Felicity. Many more years. <laughs> and yeah, <but> when, <laughs> I look at, when I look at the, the gap and when I'm sp- hearing you both speak and let's say Felicity is working more, more from the younger side of practice and, and with adolescents, every, almost every sentence Dr. Felicity is speaking about eating disorders almost sounds like more focused on, ki- on kids that are um, in anorexia, not eating, controlling their body, not uh, not heavy weights, and when P- 
Professor, you're talking about the eating disorders. It almost consistently sounds about overeating, being heavy, um, being unhealthy. Is that also part of the difference in the yes. generation that we're looking Definitely. at? Definitely. Because um, parents have come to me maybe in their age, 40, 45, complaining about their children. I'm mm. scared my daughter's going to get fat. I'm a sender to you. And I say, you know, it's all very well sending her to me, but I've got to know what you are presenting with at home. Mm. To me, this is very important. How you feeding them? How you talking to them? Are you putting fear into them? Is your child bullied at school? You as a mother, do you personally think your child is overweight? And secondly, does your child think she's overweight I think and are you questioning her weight based on your experience yeah. in school as a child many years ago yeah. and bringing that into that context but mm. I, I want to ask the Felicity when you you comment kind of in passing about social media yes it's never been in the history before social media mm. that a child can post a picture and be judged by 10,000 people that don't know them, have nothing to do with their personality, nothing to do with the, who they are as people, nothing to do with they, the, and any connection, are purely judging them on their appearance. And that appearance is based on very strict rules of what uh, the body should look like mm -hmm. when we see on social media. Are the teenagers today and adolescents today and kids today even able to mentally manage that no, yeah. definitely not. Definitely not. I think they, I mean, you know how it is with um, with Facebook and Instagram and you click the like and, you know, it it's, um, creates this, this sense of, of acceptance, acceptance and, you know, but they, 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 they're exposed to so much. And I think, I mean, we know that with, uh, we always say with adolescents, their, their frontal cortex hasn't even developed yet. <laughs> it's only develops much later. So they are seeing all these images and all these messages and they can't even think around them. They can't even rationalize around, you know, maybe that doesn't look so healthy or maybe that, that girl is like quite underweight. Um, so they've just been faced with all this imagery um, and I, I, I do think it's, 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 it's having a huge impact. So I'm going to ask the uncomfortable question. Where do we need to step in as parents and say there's a boundary and you can't do that? And, and I know that right away we'll be told that all the kids in the class have it and you can't be part and you can't. And I do understand that. And, and you know, a child that's not on social media is not part. And, but is there a balance somewhere between the content and maybe there are certain apps that are worse than other ones. Mm. Maybe TikTok could be worse than Facebook or vice versa. I don't know. Are we even doing work? And specifically for you two as professionals in the eating disorder, is that being addressed? I, I, I can't talk for that because I'm not that brilliant on Instagram, <laughs> etc. But I do know that I've heard that they can actually improve their shape by changing things on the yes, phone. Um, yes. Um, yeah. I, I mean, make the face look prettier, make mm. the eyes look bluer. I don't know. Yeah, so I mean, I'll, I'll just speak to what we do in our unit. So, obviously, um, one of the things, or one of the rules of our ward is that when you come in, you have to give up your phone. 
And for a lot of adolescents, this is very difficult. Uh, they feel very you know, disconnected. They can't talk to friends or family. And as they go on and as they go through the program, um, one of the activities we do is going through their, their apps on their phone and making them think around, you know, what, what is that app showing me? Is this a healthy way of looking at things? And if, you know, it doesn't make me feel good about myself, because um, very often they see these things and it actually makes them feel much worse about themselves. Um, and we really do encourage them to delete those kind of apps and um, there is there's actually a list of, of, of good apps, if I can say, um, all about, you know, um, being healthy, having a good relationship with food, um, being happy with who you are. And those really? are the kind of apps that we should be. So if you could send it to me, I'm going to definitely be ask Sana to post it on our social media. Sure, I think sure. it's extremely important. I think um, you see, there important. is the power of social media. Um, but I'm just curious about what you're saying. You know, when it comes to the taking away the phones, mm. uh, you know, it's very clear to anybody who is admitted and is by you and loses their phone that that is a very temporary situation because when they leave the hospital, they will have their phones and that's real life. Yes. What if you, we would say, let's introduce an alternative life, meaning we're not going to take away your phone um, and replace it with nothing. Let's give you a, I don't know if they call it a dumb phone or whatever it is that you could only have. Uh, texts and phone calls we will not cut you off the world and you could actually see that there's a way to communicate and live your life yes. without apps it's almost like the kids are forgetting that their phones can also be used be used as phones mm. is there is that not something that can be worked on and i'm only asking also as parents and as listeners and maybe we need to do that for sometimes at home during holidays take one week that mm. we won't use our smartphone but we will have a dumb phone or a, a weekend or something like that mm. I think you could work on that in the uh, ward or in the unit yeah. um, but the, as you say the phones are the connection they need it safety blanket no, 100%. absolutely where's my phone I've got to talk to her and they can be talking to maybe the parents and all of a sudden the friend phones mommy I can't talk to you I've got to talk to her Mm. And the mother just says, okay. <laughs> okay, now we're going into a whole new world, which Absolutely. we'll have to get to. Um, I, I, I want to ask you a question, Professor, because an interesting question coming in from one of the listeners. I have a daughter who's overweight in my eyes, and now she is losing weight because she is more careful how she eats, but not excessively. So she's being very balanced and losing on her own. When I compliment her that she is losing weight, is that a problem? Maybe she should say, um, not use the word, I see that you're losing weight. You should say, oh, you look so lovely today. How do you feel? What made you put on that dress today? I just think you've got to But where's away. the balance? Why is it a taboo to say to your child, hey, well done? That you can say, but don't use the word weight. Yeah. I don't know. How do you yeah, feel? Yes, so I, I completely agree with you. You've got to be very careful what you say because um, words like losing weight and, you know. Are you on diet? Are you on diet? Are you, oh, you've gained weight. I mean, those have huge, huge impacts on um, on an individual, particularly an adolescent. And what you're also doing is you're putting a focus on their physical. 
And I like what Celine said about you're looking beautiful. You know, I love this about you. And it's about not focusing so much on their body, but focusing on them as a person and their good qualities. Because, again, I think they, they catch on to these things and then they use it to almost define them. So, oh, if mom you know sees I'm losing weight she's you know it's a positive affirmation I must carry on losing weight so when did she stop yeah so just be very careful how you talk to your teenager what you say and yeah just not placing so much on their um on their outside appearance physical activity but then the other side and I'm gonna I'm gonna push on this one (laughs) just to hear just yeah exactly (laughs) um are we not creating a society that's using the word weight is such a taboo that we're creating more anxiety around it because we say, no, you can't say that word. That's horrible. How could you say the, the, the weight or overweight or underweight? And, and, you know, sometimes we do need to address it with our children. Sometimes a child reaches a point that your GP will tell you, listen, uh, you know, she, she or he can develop diabetes, can develop mm-hmm. an issue, and there is a real health issue. So why are we taking that extreme completely? And where's the line, the balance that when we can talk or can't? Uh, I feel that uh, there should be more education, perhaps in the schools, uh, have a program on healthy eating, Mm. what is healthy eating. Uh, It's not restrictive. Uh, This is what the plate should look like. And, uh, you know, make a day where they come with food that's been prepared at home, put it on the table, everybody can partake. It's food that we should all eat containing all the micronutrients, the macronutrients, it's a balanced diet. And the color, that's what I did. I mentally, I taught um, at a government school and I made a day where the parents prepared the food, healthy food with my gardens, brought it to the school and the children enjoyed it and nobody was saying do you think I'll get fat <laughs> um, whatever but maybe because they're going to a more natural way of living yes. which yes. I, I, I think that's we do need to take our next ad break but when you come back I do want to bring, bring up this concept of what is natural and you know counting your calories and putting a plate and, and choosing stuff it doesn't seem that natural in a way. On the other hand, we need to be responsible and we need to do that. So let's talk a bit about the, that balance between natural, normality, etc. A short break and we'll be right back. The Chai Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. For over 75 years, King David Schools have offered an exceptional education in an environment where children feel safe and proud to be Jewish. This sense of belonging nurtures children to become emotionally strong, self-assured adults who are able to thrive in the real world. In these challenging times, feeling safe and free to learn, daven and connect to Israel is a privilege. It's a gift that generations of proud Davidians continue to value throughout their life. We are here for our community, now more than ever. Connect with us at kingdavid.org.za. 101.9. We are back, and I'm here in a fascinating discussion. I'm here with Dr. Felicity Marcus, who is uh, the head of Eating Disorders Unit at Tara Hospital, as well as Professor Celine Bernstein, who runs her own practice as a mentor and health mentor and a nutritionist. And we, you know, we've been talking about how to approach the, the weight, the health, the disorders, etc. And let's go a bit back to normality in nature. And I'll, I'll start with a 
side point. We're definitely seeing an increase since COVID and even before of sensory challenges. Kids that are having a sensory overload, if it's auditory, if it's physical, if it's touch, the sensory modulation is really out of tune and kids are not, and adults, we're not aware of our bodies, we're not modulated, we're not in control properly and more and more we need the support of OTs and we need the support of getting modulated. Now, we know today that there, besides the five or six senses we learned in school, there are many more senses because things that we we just figure out. We know when we're in the sun, we have a sense that this is not good for us. We need to go inside. We don't calculate the heat from the sun and figure out that we need um, to put out, to go into the shade. Same is with going to the bathroom. We know when we need to go to the bathroom. And the same with eating. We know and we have a natural sense of, we should have a natural sense, what we need to eat, how much we need to eat, and when we need to stop. And it seems to be just like a all of the other senses, we completely lost touch with our sense and we're not aware. So when we discuss that, our, how about we focus, and I'm wondering if that's a possibility or something that's happening, let's focus on going back to listening to our body and going back to being aware of what are the signs of hunger, what are the signs, when, when am I getting agitated, just like sleeping, by the way, same. Also signs, sorry, Rabbi, of dehydration. Mm. Are 100%. you thirsty or hungry? 100%. So we're measuring a lot instead of saying, well, you know, let's not measure. Let's also listen or maybe let's measure and listen, but let's listen to our bodies. How do we know when we're thirsty, when we're hungry, when we're tired, and when we are, have a sensory overload? So where does that come into practice today? Okay. Uh, well, I think you've got to look at the individual and find out is there anything that's concerning them, worrying them? Uh, does your tummy work regularly? Are you uh, constipated? Let me hear how you feel about yourself. And... What they tell me, I repeat back to them as a story. And that sort of fits in their mind that this is what they should be doing. You know, I'm not a psychologist, but I do believe in getting to the root cause of the matter, whatever it is, to find out. Is it the food that you're missing? Is it the food that you enjoy? You're not overweight. You tell me you're not overweight. You have three Cokes a day. You love ice cream. I do eat my vegetables and the food my mom gives me. I'm happy. I'm not overweight. So what, what do we do then? And what is emotional eating and what is, you know, yes, eating what the board triggers and what are the triggers mm. and what are we doing? So interesting question coming in from another mom. Um, and she's saying like this. Um, I, I, she writes like this, I actually don't like vegetables. And it's funny, my <laughs> kids at parties always go for vegetables and salad. My question is, should I force myself to eat something I don't like just because it's healthy? And the same for children, just because something is healthy, is it healthy to force them? Which a message came in while I was talking about going back to natural life and to, you know, listening to your body. Uh, you know, what is it that you don't like about vegetables? The taste, the texture, I don't know, I'm Have guessing. you added any 
seasoning or spices to it? Have you tried to make it more delicious? If you closed your eyes and you were given this dish and it was with all the right spices, etc., would you have the same thoughts about vegetables? It, it's so difficult. This eating disorder or this eating plan or this diet, what should I do? It, you know, it's difficult. I think it needs but, emotional... You know, I, I, I love what you're saying, but I have to ask Dr. Felicity, yeah. working with adolescents and teenagers, using these methods and coming and saying to the child, have you ever tried spices on your vegetables mm. or did you cut it nice? Is there anyone to talk to? Um, yeah, well, <laughs> your nutritionist or your dietitian. Um, but I have to agree with Selena. It has to be, you know, where did these misconceptions come from? Because, you know, um, vegetables have a lot of nutritional value in themselves. And, you know, um, getting back to, like we say, natural eating. And part of that is eating a balanced meal. So eating a meal with proteins, carbohydrates, vegetables, fiber, fiber. And that's, you know, that's, that's how you should be living life. I mean, that's how you should be eating. And I think... Again, I think there's a lot of um, diet culture, you know, that makes us fear certain foods or dislike certain foods. And you need, really need to kind of reflect on that and say, well, where does that, where does my thinking, where does my dislike for veggies come from? Um, Go back in your childhood. Yeah. How, how important is the balanced eating when somebody eats small quantities? So they, they're, they're fine. They don't mm -hmm. overeat. They eat appropriately. They, the amounts are always correct. And how do they correct. feel? And they feel great. Do they need to balance? And then we'll come and say, no, you have to balance your vegetables and your proteins and your fiber. Or we could say, no, your body's managing it. Let it be. And your, your blood tests are showing that you're fine. You know, you can be thin on the outside, mm -hmm. but fat on the inside. And I've had a lot of clients like that. Opposite for me, okay. <laughs> um, but then, so, so you're saying it's not important or it is important? It's important to eat a balanced meal. And if it's working for you, even if it's not a huge helping, it's fine. But do you get hungry later on? How many hours later do you need mm -hmm. a snack? I think it's also about listening to your body cues yes. and learning to know, okay, I feel full, I feel hungry. Or am I thirsty? Mm. Perhaps I should drink a, a mm. glass of water. Or has something triggered me? That That's I've a, there's to also eat. the endless discussion about having small snacks throughout the whole day or yes. big meals three times or how it works, which I, I don't know how much we'll get to. Um, before we take our next break, like the Felicity, what are the warning signs? What are the things that should alert parents? So I think particularly, I mean, there, there are definitely certain behaviors that one can look out for. But I think what's important to note is that anorexic patients are actually very secretive. So they don't want pa people to know about their eating struggles. So they will very often, they wear baggy clothing because they don't want you to see them losing weight. They will throw away their food so that, you know, mom won't question why I didn't eat my lunch. Um, but some of the things to, to really watch out for is, if, is noticing dramatic loss in weight. Um, patients that are becoming very, very tired, they're not managing through the day. They, they, you know, they, they were previously doing really well at school and now um, they're battling to focus, they're battling to concentrate, um, obviously combined with um, the, the restrictive eating or, or lack of eating. Um, 
don't know if you know any signs. No, well, it's the skipping of the meal. Yes. Definitely that. Having a very limited diet that hasn't been prescribed Mm -hmm. by a trained functional medical nutritionist or dietitian. There might be too much focus on food, Mm. even healthy eating, especially if it means not participating in usual events like a bar mitzvah or Mm. wedding. No, I've I've eaten my food at home. I'll just go there and enjoy. Mm. Session about food. Yeah, and sorry, the one other thing is um, excessive exercise. So someone that suddenly starts running on the treadmill for hours and hours or going to the gym and they actually get very very anxious if they can't exercise um, and that's obviously a change from previous behavior so I would say those are probably all the worrying kind that's of signs eating to look disorder out for. or a body image disorder so we're uh, the same probably more the the eating disorder <laughs> the eating disorder <laughs> yeah okay um, look, we do need to take our next break so let's just continue and t- head towards the end the Chai Chinuch Show is brought to you by King David Schools, the cornerstone of our community for 75 years. Point nine, We are back and really towards the end of the show. It was a great show and we haven't covered nearly what I wanted. Even the list of disorders, we only covered one. Um, so really, there's a lot more to speak. Maybe we'll have to get there one day. Um, just before the break, uh, Dr. Felicity, you spoke about the signs of an mm. eating disorder and as well as Professor Celine. And my question is, okay, I found the signs. What now? What do I do? Where do I go? Who do I speak to? What, are, what is the way forward when I do see the signs? Yeah, so I think obviously I'm speaking from a medical perspective. Um, and what I think is important to be aware of is that all eating disorders can have a lot of physical complications associated with them. So... I do feel if, if you're picking up on the signs and symptoms, if you if you have a concern, if you've seen dramatic weight loss, your first kind of port of call must be to your GP, um, to a psychiatrist, to a medical doctor, because that patient needs to be assessed. And um, particularly, you know, the more severely underweight you are, the more at risk you are of death. And we know that anorexia itself, um, one, in, one in four patients die. Um, it's a very serious That's illness. Very it's very scary. It's and yeah, so I think that would be your first kind of port of call. But just remember that eating disorders are very complex. And I mean, like you said, there's so much to, to talk about. And not one person can manage an eating disorder on their own. Never. So Not alone. Never, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's why we work as a team. Um, I've got when you say not alone, then who? Who else? There's so a team, as you say, yes. that are involved. A team of? Yeah, so so you, you, you need a team. Um, so starting with the psychiatrist, the nutritionist or the dietitian is exceptionally important. Um, a psychologist, you, no one is going to get better without doing the, or, or working through their mental struggles um, and what's kind of driving the eating disorder. So you need to be seeing a psychologist. And then obviously um, there can be other people that are part of the team. But um, I, I just think that, you know, we must always kind of just err on the side of caution. And if you are worried, seek help. Never, never wait. Um, it, the research shows that um, patients who suffer from eating disorders have a better prognosis um, if, it's, if it's picked up and diagnosed and treated within the first two years. 
Oh wow! So so it's actually it's very complex. early intervention mm. is very important, very yes. complex, and and I think it's it's more serious than we think when you know you're head of, you're head of a division, meaning that the hospital has a whole unit yes, that is that's focused a bit easier, on yeah. <laughs> much eating easier. disorder. All that those means people can be of service and yeah, help. But it shows the importance and the need. Okay, we do have to end and wrap up the show t- for today. I just want to ask each of you for. Th- 10 seconds, 15 seconds, what is your vision? What do you hope that parents and future teenagers and adolescents would know about what they need to do to live a healthier, more balanced life? I feel that they need education, direction, and it starts with the parents. That I've got to tell you. If the parents are not eating well, you can't expect your children to follow suit. Okay, lead by example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Okay. Um, so I guess from my side, it's 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 really to to build a, a healthy relationship with food, a healthy relationship with eating, but also a healthy relationship with ourselves and our bodies. Um, I think that's something that we all really need to to focus on going forward. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's really been an, a great show today. Thank you to Dr. Felicity Marcus, uh, the head of the Eating Disorder Unit at Tara. Thank you, Professor Celine Bernstein, uh, health professional and nutritionist. Thank you, Sana, for putting this interview together. Thank you, Craig, for managing the show as usual. And thank you to our listeners. Thank you for the questions, for the comments. And thank you just for being part today. Stay safe. And we will be back next Monday, 2 to 3, as we do. Please, God. And we'll continue our journey of self-improvement. For over 75 years, King David schools have offered an exceptional education in an environment where children feel safe and proud to be Jewish. This sense of belonging nurtures children to become emotionally strong, self-assured adults who are able to thrive in the real world. In these challenging times, feeling safe and free to learn, daven and connect to Israel is a privilege. It's a gift that generations of proud Davidians continue to value throughout their life. We are here for our community now more than ever. Connect with us at kingdavid.org.za.